Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Otter Fishing with me, Trevor Topfer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Otter Fishing. Uh, today on the show, we've got a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, who uh, is a bit of a legend around the small uh, or SME market here in New Zealand. And Glenn Marvin from Connector and uh, the CRO of Touchpoint Group. Uh, Glenn's spent the last 13 years working with SMEs and really trying to help them figure out how to do this thing called marketing. And I'm uh, really excited to talk to Glenn today and, and, and get an idea of what uh, some of the things that he's seen change since pre and, and post COVID and uh, hopefully get some advice for all of you listeners that might be running a small business or startup. So welcome to the show, Glenn. Nice to see you, mate. Hey, always, always great to catch up with you, my friend. And uh, isn't it just weird that we're still, you know, we've just hit day 100 of of another lockdown and we could be doing this in, in, in person, having this catch up and having this chat, but yet again, it's over the interwebs. Mm, the interwebs, the old Zoom relationships. I mean, 100 days far out, that's uh, that's pretty daunting to think about. That's that's pretty close to a third of the year I've spent in this little room that is, uh, is my little storage room. I mean, you can see in the background there all just the white sheets covering all the shit and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to dress it up for the podcast but um you know it's 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 just insane to think how much of an impact that's got to be having on people you know three three months more than three months you know confined your house shops are closed third of the year going by um you know i mean i try my best to keep this podcast on a positive glen and we're going to do our, our very best to, to to bring some sunshine uh to people but it's pretty hard to to go past the fact that yeah 100 days in and uh, they're talking about opening things up slowly through a traffic light system that's got everyone confused and doesn't make any sense to me either. So, you know, you talk to people and say, well, when are you opening? And, and, and usually you're met with a, I have no idea when they tell me I'm allowed to, um, which... It certainly looks like you've managed to get your hair done a lot faster than me. I, I, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is my COVID, COVID cut. My Go wife, COVID uh, cut. Yeah, my wife finally convinced me to, to let her at it after it started looking completely out of control. I think she's done all right. It's amazing what you can fix with a bit of, you know, you put a bit of shit in there and, and brush it back and, uh, you know, Robert's your mother's brother. I can I can guarantee you each morning when I get up and I look in the mirror, I, I the, the first thing I visualise is that uh, the baddie from The Incredibles with his hair going. <laughs> Mine comes out in a straight-up mohawk the first thing in the morning. I look like... You know, I look like Sid Vicious first thing in the morning. Yeah. So, uh, look, um, day 100, uh, it hasn't been easy. Um, I'll, I'll first to stick my hand up and saying that I've done it a bit tough. I've also, in the, in the, in the interim, had, you know, back surgery and all sorts of things. But if anything, what it's done, and especially having to meet with people like this, is it's, it's allowed us to, I think, have a little bit more empathy and, and how the home does integrate into the workplace. And it's been... It's totally. allowed us to be a little bit more accepting mm. in and around the what goes on in people's lives and, and life does get in the way of work sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like it's lifted the veil so many. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, and it's been a really positive overall thing, you know, actually getting to know members of your, your, your teammates' family and meeting their kids in the middle of, you know, serious Zoom, you know, board meetings with, you know, six-year-old kids on the knee and all that sort of stuff. And it's I don't know. I think it's a glorious thing. It's it's one of the spin-offs that's been actually really positive in all of this, you know. Um, but, yeah, much prefer to have those kids come into the office, though, when we can all sit around and, uh, and, and you know, you, you and I could be having this chat over a cup of coffee somewhere or, or, or whatever in a studio. So, uh, 
yeah, uh, interesting times. But uh, before we dive into that too much, let I just wanted to tap your tap your uh, wealth of knowledge, mate. Like, take me back a couple of years to before COVID hit, and I, I want to dive into you know I, and, and shine a lot on what you've seen the changes been over the last couple of years. Like, what what were you dealing with a couple of years ago, and what are you dealing with now, and, and how different are we looking at? Yeah, if uh, I, I'm going to, I'll be a little bit sort of cold and blunt about it. Uh, around what I've Perfect, seen yeah. when you're in a you're in a market a couple of years ago, uh, big focus on growth, big focus on acquisition, and this is not just small to medium. Um, we're talking enterprise as well, where your target market or your target audience is seen as prospects and numbers, and how do we get more of them? Mm-hmm. And what has really happened over the last couple of years, I think, is the script is slowly, slowly changing where the people and organizations are becoming more customer centric. And by in saying that, I mean, they've understood that it's not just about us saying this is what we do and we can solve the problem that you're looking for and talking about how good I am. It's more around the communication and the style of the way that we talk to people today versus two years ago is slowly evolving and flipping that script around where we're actually talking to you about your challenges and your problems, what you want to achieve, and then talking about how we can help you achieve that. Not assuming that they're coming to our websites or they're talking to us because they go, oh, wow, look at at Connector, or hey, wow, look at Touchpoint Group, or look at Otterfish. They're amazing at what they do, and I want to use them. It's more a case of, from the consumer side, it sounds like they really understand where I want to go, what I want to do, and the challenges that I'm facing, and they've got the right solution for me. Yeah. It's not assuming that people know what the solution to their problem is and they're looking for it. It's, It's really, it's not about what we do, it's what we can do for them. Mm hmm yeah, this customer-led thing, right? I think you're right. Um, the fact that we've been taken away from those traditional kind of models in, in a lot of ways as well. Like I, I worked with a, a lot of clients, as you know, when we were sharing office spaces in my H&D days, uh, you know, there were a lot of clients there that were suddenly faced when, when COVID happened, that their main source of, of, of new business, their main source of, of revenue, their, their, their entire pipeline suddenly just disappeared or, or it certainly wanted to behave very, very differently. Yep. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've had many a conversation with, with people in my network about how they've pivoted and changed and some people have just, you know, completely transformed or started entirely new businesses. Um, you know, Brooks got this statistic. He talks about something like 40,000 businesses started uh, during the first lockdown in New Zealand. Um, that's 40,000 people that went, holy shit, Need to uh, I need to adapt and move and do something because this is this is very very different. So when you yeah you talk about that that uh, for businesses it was it was more about growth it was very much a growth mind and uh, you know acquisitions were all rife funding was easy to get easier to get back then. So you know the landscape for small businesses then would you say is. Uh, back then was a lot more fruitful, like the economy was going well, we had a pretty good chance of success. If you had a decent product and a, and a few uh, smarts, you were, you were pretty much, uh, you know. Yeah, um, uh, no matter what spin comes out of 
government and things like that, you know, on, on the ground, it's it's clear people are finding it tough. Um, and there is a statistic out last week, I think it was a, a Herald article saying that uh, I think it was 80,000 8,000 businesses, 8,000 businesses had disappeared off the company's register since August, which works out to a little over 100 businesses, registered businesses a day. And then a if day. you layer on top of that, owner-operators that are trading as, not necessarily registered entities, mm-hmm. it's a significant... And that's a, and that's a p- part of the population that's probably more... There's more of them not being reported and getting hit harder, right? Like, you know, yep. those solopreneurs, small small operators 20... have probably had, you know, plenty of time, built a good customer base, making, you know, a, a reliable income, you know, got a good little business running. Yeah. And, and uh, 29% no... of the New Zealand economy is made up of businesses of less than 20 people. Same and Same out, of that, you know, out of the 300 and something thousand businesses that we've got, um, that are small businesses, uh, it's something along the lines of 90-something percent of those have less than five less than employees. Five. Wow. So <clears throat> a hell of a lot of businesses out there yep. with, with uh, solo operators, one or two people. And are you getting to these guys? Are you still working with them now that we're in that sort of post-COVID world? Are you, are you still working with a lot of those businesses or have you yourself had to pivot the way that you operate with, with Connector? Yeah, with the with the connector piece, it's been very very interesting as well, right? Because we were very very much targeted on the let's call them the solopreneurs, those with five and under, and, and things like that. And in general, they are really struggling. In general, um, we now do a lot more work with those that are fixed in a growth mindset rather than you know. COVID came along and it's now what do I need to do to survive? Uh And when you're in survival mode, it tends to have that negative psychological impact in regards to I can't spend because I'm trying to save because I need to keep the cash flow going through to how long, how long do I need to go to outlast COVID until the market comes back to me Uh versus those with growth mindset, which is great. Well, this is the playing field. Some people are going to fall over. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to change. The market may fundamentally shift. What do I need to do to capitalize on this current situation? And that's a much smaller segment of the market than we were dealing with before, which was general digital marketing support. Mm-hmm. Um, with Touchpoint Group, it's probably gone even more niche than that. It's focusing on the medium to enterprise level clients and being very, very deliberate and, and specific in and around the challenges that we solve that need to be addressed today that have got high pain thresholds or so you're doing much the bigger pay- payoff. You have it, you're, having the t- you're giving them the tough love. Yep. And so on, in, in both, both businesses, it's very, very much a case of having to be very deliberate and choosing who to say yes to and saying no to a lot. Mm. All right. So talk me through a few, like a few of the cases you're dealing with at the moment. Like think, think across some, some of the clients you've had, say in the last hundred days, given that we've been in lockdown for a hundred days, what are the sorts of things that are coming through now? What, what, what do you see as the biggest sort of challenges that the SMEs are facing right now? Not necessarily just in Auckland as well, where there's a you know significantly 
you know, the rest of the country is reasonably good and the external of New Zealand, most of the world is, is up and running. Um, so if we, if we put a mindset on maybe all of New Zealand or, or, or whatever's in your cohort, what are you seeing that's different now? Well, the, the big obvious one is the move to online business. So whether it's e-commerce or online billing or how can we actually add value in a digital environment so that we can keep trading. Mm-hmm. Um, so like e-commerce has been around for a long time. But got a shot in the arm that's though, right? traditionally being consumer goods, mm. right? How else can I actually jump into the digital economy, whether it's with consulting and all those other areas and things like that? In the e-commerce space, in the retail space, there's been so much more focus on how do I get the most out of my database? Because if everybody else is jumping on board, cost of advertising is going up, it's getting much more competitive. Uh, We need to be a lot smarter in regards to how we're advertising. But I've now potentially got 6,000, 8,000, 10,000, or, you know, if the larger business is 200,000 records of customers that I've either had dealt with or dealing with, how do I actually leverage that database and get more out of it? Uh, I got a fantastic uh, message through from a client, was it last night, actually, who was wanting to have a little brag saying this is the the biggest day we have ever had trading and they're not in the Auckland this is the biggest day we've ever had in our online trading outside of a lockdown condition and I went back and said you know what was it that's been working for you and it's actually implementing segmented and very very targeted email campaigns mm-hmm so that we're actually putting things back in front of people that they've either purchased before or are aligned with that rather than the generic way every week I'm sending out an email to my 10,000 people in my database just, that just has the, here's the weekly specials. Mm-hmm. So understanding... And fucking those same specials up on Facebook and boosting it and yeah. having a buck and hoping for some, yeah. some results. So, Especially now we're going iOS 14 and beyond, right, where the cookie-less you know, it makes your email list your lifeline, I think. Um, you know, I, I keep going back to it and email's done a full circle, right? When email first came along, it, it became this new and exciting channel that I could open up and I could start marketing to people and none of us had gotten, you know, completely and utterly inundated with spam by then, so we were still engaging with people who were emailing us. Uh, then it's gone completely away and now I think it's coming back with a fury in the last few years. I've seen it and I think especially since the pandemic hit, Yep, your email list and how to maximize the value out of that email list has become absolutely crucial for every business. So, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, so leveraging email, getting hyper-personalized, getting great at segmentation, understanding what, where and what, how you need to do it. Uh, Loyalty programs are getting much more sophisticated in regards to how do we actually get them to um, increase their purchase frequency and also the average um, transaction value, things like that. And so there is nothing new about this. It's just like everything we need to be doing, it needs to be about how do we actually get more out of what we've already got. Mm, That 80-20 thing, right? Like finding those 20% and learning as much as you possibly can about them. Yeah, totally. Totally. And that can be done for, for very little cost, you know, like 
for a lot of small businesses, that 20%, once you can figure out how to identify them, then, uh, you, you know, you could probably pick up the phone and call most of them and get to know them and say, you know, who are you and, and why do you, you know, engage with us and you know, what is it about our business that makes you choose us over others and really understand what it is. Yeah. So where, 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 what have you seen recently? Um, it's an interesting one because I've been in a, a few different businesses over the last few years and, uh, you know, and been in the agency space, seen a lot of activity. Definitely people getting more serious about building a proper tech infrastructure. I think even at small business level, like actually, you know, getting serious about getting rid of spreadsheets and shit like that and actually understanding, you know, what Google Analytics is doing and telling me and, and uh, starting to figure out a bit of a system to organize that information and learn from it and, and understand that that's the benefit. That's the gold of all this digital marketing stuff. It's not about just sticking ads on Facebook because that's where people's attention is, but it's the fact that you can look at what that, the impact that that activity had, learn from it and try again and, and, and constantly improve. So that's probably the biggest thing I, I think I've noticed. If I go back sort of four or five years ago, working with small businesses, some of them had an accounting software. If they had bespoke systems that they worked on, some of them had Microsoft Office as well, if you were lucky, but the rest of it was all sort of very uh, rambunctiously organized and all around necessity rather than any kind of system or structure. And I think that's changed a lot now. I think uh, businesses are, and that's, that shit's gotten a lot cheaper as well and a lot easier to use. So it's not as daunting to, to people to go, okay, I'm going to, you know, Three years ago, Glenn, if you'd have sat down and said, "Now I'm going to talk to you about a CRM," you'd watch the whites of their eyes roll back in their, you know, in the back of their head, and they'd be like, "Oh, so I've just got to take this call," you know. Um, whereas now, I think people are not scared of the of the of the word CRM, and they're understanding that having that central source of sort of truth about their business and being able to see what all the different things that they're doing across their business and the impact that has, I think that's really important. And um, yeah, I'm so seeing more of that. Very much about using digital assets to create efficiencies, free you up to do what you're good at and let them take care of repetitive tasks, simplify mm -hmm. your life. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really about creating system structure process around you so that you can concentrate on more valuable things. And it doesn't have to be rocket science. Like I, I remember having conversations with people like, okay, what's an, you know, you'd see that they were sending in, in their sales process, they were sending the same email and they had it on a Word document or something that they were cutting and pasting. Like, okay, well, we can put a system in place that just sends that, you know. And, you know, this idea of automating one thing a month, like find one thing in the business a month that you can automate. Well, by the end of the year, you've automated 12 processes in your business and that's probably streamlined things massively and saving you an enormous amount of money and you're not kind of getting left behind, right? Because I think the other thing I've noticed is that this knowledge gap between SMEs and enterprise business or businesses that have the resources to be deep in this shit, the gap has just widened so much. Like most small businesses have absolutely no fucking idea what they're up against. They have no idea the playing field that they're in. You know, McDonald's is competing against them for the same attention on the same platforms and McDonald's is, is dialed into the deepest data they can possibly mine and are making decisions and sending messages and timing communications across the right channels and doing all the cool shit that, that's really having an impact and, and shifting the needle. And most small businesses aren't even aware that they're doing that stuff. And so this, this gap opens up and, and I see that getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, and that... Yeah, I think 
the gap is probably getting bigger, but the ability for the small to medium sized business to start playing in that space has become so much easier. The cost of entry in regards to, especially if like you think about the, your H and D days, right? Automation. When it's not just about email, it's about triggering an email that goes to a potential client based on an action or an interaction that they have had with one of your other digital assets. That you've had to do nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Take some time, effort and money to get these things set up, but you've got that nurture process to take it from a prospect to a, and this is one thing I'm really big at, right? We need to speak. Yeah. But we need to start thinking about our potential clients, not as prospects, but as relationships. How Mm. can we further the relationship? What do we need to do then to take that relationship from they don't know me to they've heard about me to they think that they like me to they value what I have to I want to do something with you? Mm -hmm. It's about relationships. And if we can automate some of that process, it means we can get a lot more done in a lot less time and that all important funnel of opportunities people are moved through that funnel of opportunities at a faster pace and with a much more a much greater quality of people coming out of that bottom end of the funnel that are actually already advocates for you because they've got value from you they see value in working with you They've made the decision to interact with you on a one-to-one basis and they're ready to purchase. Yeah, and they've done most of that without actually having to speak to you. And they feel good about it because you've provided value along the whole, that whole journey, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I spend so much time nurturing relationships through LinkedIn. Out mm -hmm. and out. If if LinkedIn didn't generate the quarter of a million dollars a year that we estimate that it does, and top line revenue for our business, I wouldn't be on it. I love mm-hmm. the relationships that I've built. I've met some amazing people and I've even got some very, very good friends from it, but I would drop it like a sack of shit if it didn't generate another revenue channel opportunity. Channel that yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I think what I'm, what I'm definitely hearing and, and, and what I love about this conversation is this undertone of, the game hasn't changed. It's just the way we play it that keeps changing, right? So it's still fire and sharp in my mind, right? You know, tell as many people as possible and make it as easy as possible for those people to buy, and that's kind of the fundamentals done. If you're yep. doing that, then uh, then you, you're probably, you know, setting yourself up for success in, in, in a lot of ways. But it's how we tell as many people as possible and how we make it easy for people to buy that's changing. And where we give value, I think, has changed as well especially in the the B2B and the consulting space and things like that, it used to be I'm holding this magic box of tricks close to my chest. I'm going to tell everybody about how amazing it is. I'm going to show them some of the results other people have had. But if you want to get any of those, those tricks out of that box of tricks, you need to pay me up front. And then I'm going to open it up and give you a little taste. And then I'm going to want to then make you want to spend more if you want the full bag of tricks. Now, I refer to it, you know, the strategies that work well now is return in advance, not return on investment, where you're prepared to give a little up front, knowing that people are going to see value, build trust. And and there's that mindset of 
if I can get you to see the value I can give and the value I can give you at no charge, holy crap, what's it going to be like working with this organization when I actually come on board as a client? They must have mm-hmm. some amazing stuff. Totally. I just had this conversation before the podcast. So I was talking with a business uh, and she had a problem with her Facebook like the Pixel and the Google Analytics and the Shopify, it was all kind of firing badly and her data was all fucked. And uh, she was struggling to to deal with that issue and then she contacted an agency to try and solve it and the agency is a marketing agency and they said, look, give us access, we'll go in and have a look. And so they went in and just fixed it all for her and then sent the proposal for the marketing plan and, and sure enough, they got the business, right? Like she didn't even ask for it. They, you know, they probably didn't half an hour 40 minutes worth of work for a skilled person to tidy that shit up right and uh, get get all of that flowing again and that little investment turned into a couple of grand a month engagement with that with that small business now and it was yeah exactly that leading with a bit of value not just going well here's our quote and if you like our quote give us a call it's about how do we help you you know and, and, and as you say coming back to that empathy thing right leading with empathy is the is the the strategy of of, of the post-covid world i think yeah, and it's you know honest conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Those of us in the digital marketing industry have created an environment of distrust over a long period of time, where we're we're like mechanics, mate. You know, we're like mechanics. You take a look and you know, throw a few words out there and say, you know, leave it with me, and she'll be right, and hope that that person's got absolutely no idea what you've just talked about, so you can jack the the the, the bill up, right? And it's created, you're right. Created. It's been so much that the focus of the digital marketing agencies for a long, long period of time was this is an arms race. How quickly can I get share of market and just acquire more and more and more clients, even if I'm not servicing them well, as long as I am acquiring more at the top end of the funnel that's falling out of the bottom end of the funnel because we're not necessarily servicing them well, we're overselling, we're under-delivering. Um, it's this whole new frontier well, the answer to your problem is you need to spend more money because the more money you spend, the more eyeballs you get in front of and the more eyeballs you get in front of, the more chance you've got of getting a sale. That's gone. Those mm-hmm. days are gone. But by having that attitude in, the, in this industry, we've created a tangible totally. level of mistrust from every business out there around is this just another bag of lies that's and another shiny thing that somebody is trying to sell to say that it's going to fix all of my problems? A mate of mine summed it up and he says, oh, I'm not going to pay you fuckers to sit there and Google and figure it out. I can sit there and Google and figure it out for myself. And I just laughed and said, you know, you, you, you're exactly right. There's so many digital marketing or digital agencies and digital businesses out there that that's what they're doing. You come to them with a problem, they sit down, they do a bit of Googling around, figure out how to solve it and charge it for the time. And the interesting thing that I see is probably over the last five years, all of these ones that are out there that were, were, were peddling the miracle results to business owners have then moved into the field of online courses and coaching of you want to set up your digital marketing agency, pay me my $1,000, go through my course, and you can be running Facebook ads for an agency tomorrow and create your own agency. And so they've gone into this, well, the, 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 the best way to make money in a gold rush is to sell the picks and shovels. Is to sell yeah. the picks and shovels, right? There oh, are right. hundreds of thousands of people that want to be that digital marketing guru 
and they'll spend a thousand bucks on a course that's probably not going to see them any better off that they can get all of that training and expertise by going through the official either Facebook blueprint training, the Google ads mm-hmm. analytics training, HubSpot Academy, HubSpot Academy, Academy all of those resources are out there yeah. for free. As good as a university education at your own pace in your living room and yeah. you can even watch it at 200% so you don't have to, mm-hmm. you can speed the whole process up. I mean, yeah, this it's, it's you're exactly right there. And tools that are coming in are making things easier and easier and easier, right? Like I was watching a thing yesterday, I can't remember what it was now, and there was this voice to code thing happening. So they were building a video game with voice, you know, and they started out with, you know, I want to be a, uh, they were talking to an AI engine that said, you know, I want to be a spaceship and I want to have, uh, you know, meteors flying at me. And that came up on the screen. They're like, okay, when I hit the left and right arrows, I want to move left and I want to move right. And then they were moving left and right. Like it's instantly happening. So this AI is coding what they're asking for in natural language. It's just, you know, what's coming down the down the pipe is is, is exciting because what we're talking about here, this sort of, age of misinformation and probably <laughs> the wrong way to describe it but this the, the, the veil's getting lifted right because a lot of those processes are now being done by tech and so it's all being demystified i mean even you know us at otterfish that's a big part of what we're trying to do is build all of those complex processes of how to set up and structure tests in facebook and do all of those weird and wonderful complex processes that are beyond most people where you would normally have to hire an agency to do it and it just automate. you know, you're getting tech to do that because tech can do that, you know. So you just put in the ads and the copy and the, you know, your budget and that sort of stuff and hit go and the tool does the rest for you. You don't have to fuck around in Facebook Ad Manager and, you know, tear your hair out and watch 15 YouTube tutorials on how to solve some problem that, you know, some 14-year-old kid on the other end of a YouTube camera is telling you how to fix it. And in, in, in the end, uh, most professional services, that's where the value is, right? It's we're freeing you up from going through all of the pain of learning. We're getting it done. So you can actually concentrate on getting on with stuff that's valuable to you and your business. Mm -hmm. So it's relationships, very, very important. And thinking about how much of that can be, you know, people talk about, oh, I want a real human interaction, but we're still okay with digital interactions as well, right? I still make some decisions and, and, and things like that around, you know, maybe I'm purchasing something and I'm happy to let, uh, uh, I know I'm getting an automated email that someone's written and all that sort of stuff, but I'm, it's still helping me solve my problem and f- frame up my solution. So I'm building a relationship with that business, even though it's just automated email stuff. So think about relationships in terms of how, what, what part of it can you do in that way? What, what's an okay way, a part of the relationship between you and your customers that you can use digital tools and digital things, automation, et cetera, to, to do and, you know, start simple. Uh, it's customer-centric approach to messaging. So I'm listing your three things. I'm summarising the, the, your, your big advice here, Glenn. So uh, customer-centric approach to messaging and leading with empathy, right? So it's understanding the circumstances that your audience is in and and showing them that you understand that instead of just, you know, feature benefit, feature benefit. And it's not it's not all moonbeams and rainbows and kumbaya, hold hands and, you know, we love you, we understand you. There is actually like a very, very repeatable process that you can go through and you can be quite systematic and templated if you're talking about your messaging. 
It's how you structure how you talk to to your potential clients that is actually really, really powerful. We've just hit a technical difficulty. Uh, welcome back, Glenn. Uh, after a, a bit of a internet disruption, I feel good today because it's normally me that causes all the problems, and I'm I'm not causing any today. So, uh, so thank you. Well, you know, Northern, Northern, Northern slopes of Remuera, we're terrible at paying all of those bills. You see, <laughs> something's going on over there, mate. If there's one suburb in this in this beautiful city that should have reliable internet, it's it's Remuera. Uh, so there, maybe there's some some politicians playing silly buggers over there with each other. Who knows? Fiber as well. Mm. Is Chorus, is Chorus a, a, a federally owned organisation? Oh, no. Let's not get into that. So before we were disconnected, we were kind of getting into a, a bit of a, a wrap on the on the on the big things that you're that you've kind of dropped on us today, and and diving into the next one. So just to recap, uh, relation it's all about relationships and not thinking about your customers in terms of prospects. Uh, having an empathetic led sort of customer approach to your messaging and to your relationship building. So that sort of feeds into the, that one. And uh, and the next one that we were starting to get into is this concept of the of the quick wins versus the long game. You know, uh, a lot of businesses, especially my experience in startups and SMEs, they're focused on the short, quick wins. It's about how do I pay my bills this week? And then you've got businesses who have got legacy who are moving into a very different commercial environment now. Uh, where their legacy business model probably isn't working as well anymore, but they're still playing the long game, right? They're uh, they're going after. So talk to us a little bit about what you've seen there, mate. Is that what you said? Yeah, quick wins versus the long game. Um, you can also say tactics versus strategy, um, those those sorts of things as well, where one can't live without the other. You can't have, I'm just focusing on the quick wins. I'm just focusing on winning a few clients and then winning some more and winning some more, and I'm just going to use Facebook ads and Google ads, and I'll figure it out as it comes on board. As the, the more clients we get, the more I'll learn, and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Not sustainable, mm-hmm. not scalable, especially and when not advisable. You know, when people, when when you know what you're up against, like if when you get a look under the veil and you see, you know, the sophistication of the of the machines that are competing with you in that space, you just don't stand a chance yeah. as a small as a small business. So. It's very much for me that those that do it successfully and those that I work with, we try and have a 70-30 or at most an 80-20 um, split of 20% to 30% tactical. So what am I doing? Advertising. What is the What are the tactical things that I'm doing to acquiring customers? And the 70% is system, structure, process, What do I do to improve what we are doing? What are we doing around customer success to ensure those clients and those customers that we've won are having the best experience properly um, they they possibly can? So we need to really have that ability to ask those questions of our customers, look at what we're doing within the business, understand how we can create system structure and process to remove operational error out of the churn factor and give our customers the best experience possible. So it's very different to to a couple of years ago when you were, customers were coming thick and fast. So you probably could play tactically for the most part. Uh, Yeah, it didn't matter. I'm going to get another customer. It'd be like a builder at the moment. doesn't matter if if I've got terrible system structure processes, there's always somebody else that wants to build something. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much the case now in, in marketing. And, there is a much bigger 
field of competitors that are getting much better at doing what they're doing and actually niching down. So 10 years ago, you're a digital marketer. Now you're a Facebook marketer ago, or you're a you know, yeah. pay-per-click marketer or a programmatic marketer. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the systems just keep getting more and more complicated. Okay, uh, Glenn, something that you and I have talked about a few times, mate, and, uh, and I know it's something that's very dear to your heart. I, I get the feeling that there's this almost silent, uh, I mean, we do talk about it a little bit more these days, which is which is encouraging and good, but I still feel like there's a there's a real silent pandemic going on, not only here in New Zealand and certainly in Auckland, but, you know, worldwide. And that is the the, 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 the mental weight of the, the, the change that's happened, that so much of this is out of anyone's particular, any particular person's control. I know a lot of people that were running perfectly healthy, perfectly good businesses before COVID, and then now are, you know, laying off staff, having to deal with, uh, you know, an uncertain, you know, income stream for their families and uh, getting un- inundated and, and snowed under with debt, taking out second, third mortgages on the on the house to keep the business alive. I mean, this is the harsh reality of, of, of the, the pandemic and very locally and dear to us, we're seeing it a lot, right? There was that statistic we talked about earlier where 100 businesses a, a day roughly in New Zealand are, are, are closing up and, and being scratched off the register. Um you know, I really think that it's important that we give you some time to talk about that, mate. And please uh, feel free to share any resources that you might have or any any pathways that you've you've seen uh, people work. Because I, I really want people to take this seriously. You know, this is this yeah, is a- no, no, for sure. And it is literally deadly serious. Um, but I think we also need to acknowledge that while this is really hard for a lot of business owners and people in general it's not that way for everybody and there are people that are actually thriving in this current environment because Mm -hmm. they are not necessarily extroverts or they don't thrive on human connection they love the ability that this has given them to just focus on doing those things that they love doing without the distraction of other people Mm -hmm. coming into their lives and talking over their shoulders They don't want the watercooler conversations. They just want to do a great job. And there are a lot of people that are thriving in this environment. But, (laughs) and it's a big but, um, there are so many people that are finding these times incredibly hard and challenging. And it's not just the COVID and the restrictions. It is the impact that it is having on their businesses, their relationships, their work relationships as much as any in their, their personal relationships and it's never one factor it, with this sort of environment that is just layer upon layer upon layer of little event upon little event upon little mm. event just creating unwielding right. pressure mm. that unless it is dealt with people will just eventually break um there was a couple of months ago they said well, suicide numbers in New Zealand are not necessarily any greater than they have been in the years before. In fact, I think in July it was the annual was about 20, 20 suicides down on the previous year. Um, ironically, I think it's jumped by about 200 um, in the last two months. And suicides, just one part of it. What about, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands right, of people that are dealing with anxiety yeah. that just the pressure just 
creates sleep issues, creates communication issues, creates so much stress in their life that they're not performing optimally. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm not a great example of how you should do things. Um, but, you know, we, I, I've gone through burnout a number of times and I did get stressed and, and things like that, like everybody else. But I do think it's really important that we talk about it and that um, if there is one sort of approach that we need to start thinking about is and talking about more is it's the oxygen mask theory, right? When you're on the plane and the, the, the airline attendant says, you know, in the event of an emergency, put your own oxygen oh, mask God. on before yeah. you start attending to others around you. And unless we look after ourselves, um, we're not going to be much use to everybody else around us. And, and I'm terrible for, I have been terrible for that in the past of when we went to our first lockdown, my whole strategy was, oh, that's it. And it was a business strategy. Great. I'm going to do lives every day. We're going to put out all these free resources. Well, I'm going to be everywhere. I'm going to be talking about what you can do. We're going to totally. do all that. I was so focused on being, you know, Connector, being that company that was there for small business. We just completely neglected ourselves. And it was damaging physically. This time around, um, I've had a very different approach when it comes to the connector side of the business. We've just had to, right, we need to look after ourselves as human beings first, um, then our immediate clients, and then we can start thinking about acquisition. But unless we're looking after what we've got first, um, let's not go out there and chase new business because that might not be the right business. Um, so that's great in business and also in your own personal mental health. Unless you are investing that time and the effort into your own personal well-being, you're going to struggle around supporting those that are around you, and you're not going to be great use over the longer period of time if you are the one that is stressed out and you're trying to lead your business. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think – these problems are exacerbated by the, the, the social media part of it, right? Like you, you sort of, you've got this internal battle going on. You're really feeling the pressure. And I know there were, there, I, I went, I've been through a few pretty dark moments myself in the last couple of years where I've, I've felt like there was no reason to keep going, you know, mm. um, and that, that people around me would be better off. But, um, you know, it, it See, and, and, and in those moments, I remember just one of the things that I did which really made a difference to my life was I just switched the phone off. I remember I made a rule in the second kind of lockdown when that hit based off the first one is I need to have time every day without my phone. So I'd switch my phone off for an hour and I'd go, that would be my walk or whatever yeah. it was that I did during the day. But I'd turn the phone off and, and at least give my, myself an hour where I wasn't connected in that way because I was finding that Everywhere I looked on social media, it felt like everybody else was kicking fucking ass and taking names and buying boats and doing all this crazy shit. And I'm sitting here going, fuck, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills next month. Like, and, and I don't have a source of income that's reliable. Like, yep. it, you know, things are changing in front of me all the time. Um, so I think, you know, that disconnecting from social media a little bit and, and, and reminding yourself that you know, everybody, is it Morgan Freeman, I think, said that, it, you know, everybody you meet's facing the the, the 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 fighting the biggest battle of their lives yeah and you're not even aware of it right so um and i like know. this concept of creating rituals not rules so you break rules 
but rituals are something that you do no matter what. And so, like, for me, exercise was always a massive part of it. And I used to, running was my thing. Running was my active meditation. I had back surgery. I, I couldn't run. So what do I what do? I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to find something that was my thing to switch off. I've never baked a loaf of bread in my life until <laughs> this year. I've, I've been baking bread every single day, and it's become a, a, a ritual. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I love breaking baking bread. Actually, I love the result. But it's just... It's that five minutes after it's all said and done that's really enjoyable, right? <laughs> yeah. But it is, it is something that creates routine, mm. creates something that I do every single day that I don't need totally. to think about. We need that, right? We need that routine mm. that, that keeps us sane, I think. Um, yeah, for me, it's exercise. It's always has been. Um, mm. You know, I that was the thing that every time I know that I'm feeling it and I start to think about it, I stop worrying about the money and I stop worrying about profit and I stop worrying about margins and I go for a run or I go and train. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to – I fell in love with martial arts when I was about 11 years old watching too many Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan movies. And it's always been a it's always been a kind of constant in my life, and it's ebbed and flowed over the years. But um, but it's always kind of been there. And I think finding something that you get into in some sort of way that's beyond just the the effort that you need to get through that exercise, like you with your running. And I think there's a lot of people go, I, I need to exercise, so they join a fucking gym and they go down and they've got no real idea what they're doing. They do a few classes, or they start lifting some weights, or they row on the row machine or whatever. And they're not really into it. Then there's there's no uh, excitement in their mind mm-hmm. discovering something new there's no the, the, you know you've, you've really got to have something i think that challenges you physically but you're also intrigued by it and you want to learn yeah. more about it and that that keeps you kind of going back to it and, and discovering and, and for me the the magic point is 45 minutes to an hour i think mm-hmm. i need that 45 minutes of doing whatever it is that thing and, mm-hmm. and it was running or or over the last year or so walking because i couldn't run mm-hmm. Um, 45 minutes allows decompression and processing, not necessarily thinking about all of these things, but it allows the mind to declutter. And I find it that sort of scarily regularity at that 45 minute to an hour mark, some of those problems that I had or some of those things that were bothering me or there was a problem with a client or things like that, I'm not actively thinking about it, but the solutions come to me because I've decluttered all of that other shit and that stress that mm-hmm. was going through my mind. Yeah. It's kind of taking the weight off for a bit, right? You know, it, it doesn't, it's not going away. Like your problems mm-hmm. aren't just magically going to, you know, unicorn shit and rainbow dust and everything else. They're not just going to magically disappear, but you can take the backpack off every now and again and, and give yep. yourself a chance to breathe. And if you build that into your routine, it's going to do wonders for managing you know, what could otherwise be a, a, an overwhelming mental challenge, right? The the, 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 the the cognitive processing of stress and anxiety and it feels like every everywhere you look you're taking punches, you know. Um, I certainly yep. felt and that we, way we could, going I'm, through I'm it. I'm sure we could do an entire episode on this and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm conscious of, of your time and I'm also conscious of the, the dodgy Remuera internet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which was not a factor that either of us thought we were going to have to weigh in on this particular oh my podcast. God. Oh, maybe, um, we should, um, maybe we should put a pin on this one and, and, and come back to it, mate. What do you think? We'll yeah, absolutely. And a month or so there, are, there are a, a heap of really, really good resources. And, and I think rather than sort of like reeling them off, mm-hmm. um, what I can do is compile some resources and they can go in the show notes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let's drop a few links in the show notes. Um, 
Glenn, uh, make sure you put your own handles and things in there so people can reach out and get in touch with you directly. It's been awesome having you on the show, and I know that our listeners are, are going to have been probably frantically scribbling notes or speaking into dictaphones all over the country uh, trying to take down some of the gold that you've dropped today. Sure, man. And we've only just scratched the surface. This was high-level stuff. I love getting into detail, but it's another day. Yeah. Next time. I'm sure you'll be back again, mate. So I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Glenn. Take care. Goodbye, everybody. That's great. Cheers, mate.